everyone. Welcome back to Crime No Reason. Each week, we discuss different topics related to true crime, the paranormal, and the unexplained. Throughout October, we'll be releasing special Halloween-themed episodes. So this week and for the rest of the month, you can expect some extra creepy content. I'm Diana, and this week I'll be covering the Poltergeist Curse. And I'm Natalie, and this week I'll be covering the Bell Witch Haunting. Whether or not you've heard of the Bell Witch Haunting, you've probably heard of many horror movies that it actually ended up inspiring. So it inspired, I don't know if you've heard of the Blair Witch Project? Yes, That's a major horror movie. So I had thought that the Blair Witch was a real thing, but it's actually based on the Bell Witch. So this is the supposedly true story of the haunting of the Bell family. So John Bell was born in North Carolina in 1750, so very long time ago. And he married a woman named Lucy Williams in 1782. And then sometime in the early 1800s, the family ended up moving to Red River, Tennessee. And the family was fairly wealthy, so John was able to buy up a lot of property that he used for farming. So they had a pretty big piece of land. And the family ended up including children Jesse, John Jr., Drury, Benjamin, Elizabeth, Richard, and Joel. So they had seven children total, which I guess was more common back then to have a lot of kids. Yeah. So they were living this life on this, you know, farmland there in Tennessee. And one day in 1817, John Bell was out in the fields and he saw a strange looking animal. So he described it as having the head of a rabbit in the body of a dog, which is a strange combination. So he got freaked out, of course, seeing this animal, and he had his gun with him, so he ended up shooting it at a few times, and after he shot it, the animal vanished. Oh, I was going to be like, oh, did he see it? But it vanished. Yeah, so he saw it, but it just vanished, so I don't know if that means like out of it thin ran air away. or if it ran away, but he didn't see it again. So he was pretty weirded out, but he didn't think too much about it, and I don't think he really told his family at this point because... He probably just chalked it off. I think if you have something weird happen to you, it's really easy to write it off as, oh, maybe I just didn't see it right or you right, know, it yeah, was a dog. Like... But then later that night after dinner, the Bell family started to hear some strange sounds that were coming from outside of their house. So it sounded like banging and knocking sounds. And they didn't really know what it was. Of course, you know, they went out to investigate and there was really nothing out there. So they couldn't do anything about it. And then after that night, the sounds just continued to occur each night, and it would become more intense as time went on. So rather than going away, the sounds just continued and became even worse and more disturbing to the family. That is so scary. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, John and his sons, they would run outside to try to catch what was making the noise, but they never found anything. And it definitely just continued to get worse from there. So a few weeks later... The Bell children woke up. They were really terrified because they said that they were rats gnawing on their bedposts, which they could have just been rats gnawing on their bedposts, but um, just kind of another weird thing that was happening at that time. Like they had heard like scratching sounds on their bedposts mm-hmm. and thought it was rats. And then it got even worse when the children told their parents that their bed covers had been pulled off while they were sleeping. And that their pillows had been taken and tossed on the floor. And this is definitely an element that you see in a lot of modern horror films, for sure. You know, things happening at night while you're sleeping, your bed covers being pulled off. I hate that. It's when you're most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty common fear for people. So this thing seemed to kind of be preying on their fears. So then, of course, after their bed covers had been taken off and their pillows were tossed away... 
They all looked around everywhere and they were really surprised to see that no one was there. So again, they had no explanation for what had happened. The family would only continue to experience these strange noises and occurrences in their home. So they started to hear quiet, whispering voices that sounded like an old woman singing. In their house? Yes, in their house. And then, of course, they couldn't find the source. So all of these events are clearly terrifying. They sound straight out of a horror film. But they're relatively harmless, like nothing was really happening to hurt the family until the incidents did become violent. That's so terrifying. The, I'm I know, sorry. it really is. It was already yeah. scary, and then when it starts to get physical, that's really pushing it. So the youngest daughter in the family was Elizabeth, or Betsy, and she had started to have violent encounters with an invisible spirit. So as part of this, the entity would slap her, and it would pull her hair, and these attacks were so violent that they would leave welts and handprints all over her body. So it's not like she was just saying, like, oh, this thing's pinching me. There would actually be physical signs on her body that would show. And despite all of these disturbing things that were happening to the family, John Bell, who was the father, he had told his family to keep everything that had happened to them secret because he was an elder in their church And of course, we know at that time, superstition, and especially within the church, was a very big thing. This was Mm -hmm. only, I think, 125 years after the Salem Witch Trial. Yeah, that's not much. Yeah, so anything that seems supernatural, that would obviously be seen as something really scary and maybe that you wouldn't want people to know about. So he could have thought that it would be really shameful or embarrassing if the town knew what they were experiencing. But eventually it had gotten to the point that it was so bad that John Bell ended up confiding in his close friend, who was also his neighbor, named James Johnston, about what had happened. So James found out what had been happening to the Bell family, and him and his wife, they decided that they wanted to spend the night at the Bell home to see if they could witness what was happening and, you know, if there was any credibility to what the Bells were experiencing So the Johnstons were staying that night at the Bell home and they were in the bed when their blankets were removed by an invisible force and they were then slapped repeatedly. What? (laughs) Yeah. So basically what had been happening to the Bell family, it started happening to the Johnstons as soon as they were staying in that home. So clearly it was something in that home. It was that one night, right? That they stayed? Yeah, they stayed that that one night and they had that activity almost immediately. So when that happened, Johnston said, in the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? And after he said this, it fell silent and there was no other disturbances that night, which is kind of creepy because it does suggest that it could be something demonic Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, falling silent in response to things related to the Bible. I could not fall asleep after that. Oh, no. Jeez. I would honestly move, but I guess you had more limited options back then. So the next morning, Johnston ended up telling John Bell that he thought that it was a spirit and compared it to like a spirit in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of what they knew was related to the Bible. So they were trying to find like a biblical connection with this. And especially after it had reacted, you know, to him saying in the name of the Lord. Um, And so after he had witnessed the spirit, um, despite the Bell family kind of wanting to keep this secret, He thought that a lot more people should be told about what was happening at the Bell Farm, that it shouldn't be kept a secret anymore. So Johnston ended up telling more people around the town, and they ultimately formed a committee to investigate what was happening. And I guess as more people found out about it and it Mm -hmm. became more well-known and maybe people were coming around the farm and things like that, 
the entity had seemed to started to gain strength. So oh. like it was feeding off of the people's the attention and the fear. Yeah. And because of this, it was eventually able to speak with a voice. No, no, no. I know. So it would start talking to people like um, it was became very vocal the more time went on. It already sang and now it's actually directing. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. And they would have they would start to eventually have full conversations nope. <laughs> with the spirit, which just sounds insane. But I mean, this really brought up the question of what was the entity? Who was it? What did it want? And over time, it claimed several different identities, but it's hard to know if it was really being serious or if it was like a bit of a trickster and making these things up. So there's a few different things that it had said that it was. So at one point, the entity had said that it was Old Kate Bat's Witch, and it started to uh, respond to the name Kate. So Kate Bat was actually a woman who lived nearby. She was like the neighbor of the Bells. And she was somewhat eccentric, at least for the time she was considered eccentric. So she was kind of a bit of an outcast in the community because people thought that she was too loud and that she was really trying to impress people a lot. Um, And she was also relatively poor. And she did most of the work on her family's farm due to her husband being paralyzed. So for the most part, she was kind of a strong-willed independent woman and at that point i guess that just screamed witch to people it was just different yeah so she was a bit of an outsider so um as we've seen in the salem witch trial Mm -hmm. anyone who's seen as a bit of an outsider they're definitely an easy target for these sort of accusations so the spirit like i said it said that it was old kate bats witch so at the time witch or witchery was more of a general term that would refer to anything that the early settlers didn't understand And it was believed that witches could have spirits do their bidding. So these spirits would be known as, you know, spirits or witch spirits and that the witch could send them out. So even though this entity would go by the name Kate, it wasn't claiming to actually be Kate. It was a spirit sent by Kate. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. But of course, Kate denied having anything to do with it. But people still continued to believe that it was her doing and that she was basically the witch. So she was still alive, though, you're saying? Yeah, she was alive. She was just their neighbor. But they thought that the spirit, that she was a witch and she sent that spirit to haunt them. So this next claim that the spirit had, I think, is a lot more credible than the claim that it was Kate Bat's spirit. So in this claim, the spirit had said that it was the ghost of a person who was buried in the nearby woods. And basically, their grave had been disturbed and their bones were scattered. And they said that one of their teeth was lost underneath the bell home and that the spear was haunting the bell home because it was there to find the tooth that had gone missing. Yeah. And the weird thing is this actually lines up with some records of the area. So there are records that there was Native American burial grounds in those woods and that those burial grounds were unfortunately often not treated with respect So people would go and basically raid the burial grounds and they would scatter the bones or, you know, do various things with them. So at one point, a man had brought a jawbone into the bell home and he had thrown it against the wall. And when he did that, the teeth fell out and they fell into the floorboards. And that was before any of the hauntings had happened. So the fact that the spirit mentioned that their body had been disturbed and that their tooth tooth in the home... Yeah, so that seems very specific. It does. And then the last thing that it had claimed to be was at one point the entity said 
I am the spirit of an early immigrant who brought a large sum of money and buried my treasure for safekeeping until needed. Meanwhile, I died without divulging the secret and have returned in the spirit for the purpose of making known the hiding place. And I want Betsy Bell to have the money. So as I had mentioned before, Betsy Bell was the youngest daughter. And the spirit mentioned and targeted Betsy a lot in compared to the others. I'll go over that later, but that's just an interesting point. So the spirit had claimed that this treasure that they had had was buried somewhere on John Bell's land. And so it described very specifically where the treasure was located. So then they had this whole search party go out there looking for the treasure and they buried um, or they dug up this really deep hole. I think it was about six feet deep and six feet wide. And still after digging that hole, they did not find anything. So they came back to the house and the spirit laughed at them and kind of taunted them. So it seems like the spirit may have made that up just to mess with them. Probably, yeah. To send them out digging. So like I said, the hauntings were now known in the town because it had, you know, they had started to talk about it. They were trying to figure out what was happening. So with that, like it started to spread much further. So a lot of people had heard about what was happening and they would then travel to the house to try to witness the spirits. So a lot of times when people would come into the house for the first time, the spirit would often say that person's name. Like even if they had no way of knowing, they would say who they were. And sometimes they would even be spilling some of their secrets, like some town gossip, (laughs) things that maybe no one should have known, but they always knew. I mean, even if it was from someone who's way out of town, they would, they would know all the gossip on them. They're trying to spill the drama. (laughs) Spill the tea. Spill the tea. (laughs) So somehow the spirit had some sort of omniscient knowledge about people. And the spirit would have full conversations with people, as I mentioned earlier, and it seemed to have a really immense knowledge of the Bible. And weirdly enough, it was known to have a beautiful singing voice. So I guess it would sing often enough that people would hear it. And it was also known to be able to impersonate others' voices. So I guess this could be a way that it could trick people and, you know, mess with people is by imitating their voices. So as I said, a lot of people would come to the house to visit. So it's alleged that at one point, Andrew Jackson, who eventually was U.S. president, Mm -hmm. that he had decided to visit the Bell House after he was hearing the stories about the hauntings. So supposedly he had traveled there on a team of horses. And as they were approaching the Bell's land, the wagons stopped and the horses refused to go further. That's a big sign. (laughs) Yeah, those horses don't want anything involved, which I do think the animals have been reported to have um, possibly some sensitivity in relation to, I guess you want to call it paranormal stuff. Yeah. So after the horses refused to stop, Jackson and his team, they, you know, got off the wagon and they were trying to get them to keep going. And after a few minutes of this, he supposedly said, by the eternal boys, that must be the bell witch. And so I guess they ended up getting the horses to go or they did the rest of it on foot. Because they ended up going to the house. And so this was after Jackson had claimed to have heard a female voice tell him that he could proceed and that she would see them later again that night. So this activity wasn't just limited to the house. It was all on the property because at this point they were, you know, still some ways away from the house. Mm -hmm. So once Jackson and the men were in the house, there wasn't really any activity, like nothing was happening. Um... I know, as you can probably see on most of these ghost hunter shows, they try to, like, stir up activity. They'll yeah. be like, come on, where are you? <laughs> come out and punch me or something. Yeah. 
So this kind of reminds me of that, that this man, after a few hours, he pulled out his gun and he claimed that his silver bullet could kill any evil spirit. And he basically said that there had been no activity in the house because the spirits were afraid of his silver bullet. So he's Mm -hmm. basically taunting the spirits like, oh, you're not coming out because you're afraid of my gun. And then right after he said that, the man screamed and he began like shaking, like jerking around. And he said that he was being beaten and stuck with pins by an unseen force. And he was then kicked in the, for lack of a better word, butt I guess, by the spirit. And that sent him out the door. So like the <laughs> spirit literally kicked, kicked him in the him butt out, out yeah. the door. And, you know, all of that taunting, it had apparently made the spirit angry. Because after he was out of the house, the rest of the men, they heard the spirit say that there was another fraud in the group. And that the spirit would torment him on the next night. And you never know if that would have happened or not. Because Jackson and his men they ended up leaving sometime after that. Wow. I think that they had seen enough that they were like, All Yeah, right, we're getting out of here. this. We're leaving. What do you think it, it meant by fraud? I don't know. It could have been in the context of like they were deceiving Jackson. Or like they were mm-hmm. like a traitor in some way or something. Because like I said, the spirit did seem to have knowledge about people, like okay. knew people's yeah. secrets, but I don't know. I don't know what specifically that would mean. So aside from all these people that were coming to visit, it would, of course, continue to torment the Bell family who lived there still. And like I said earlier, it would target the daughter Betsy the most and it would also target the father John a lot. So the witch would pull on Betsy's hair and it would physically attack her. So it would be like pinching, scratching, beating her. And it it just seemed to be, like, super interested in her life in a weird way. So when she became engaged to a man named Joshua Gardner, the spirit would repeatedly tell Betsy not to marry him. Hmm. Like, repeatedly and, like, be, like, taunting her and messing with her. So they couldn't really go anywhere on the Bell property without the spirit taunting them, that is, Betsy and Joshua. So eventually this got so bad that the spirit really got what it wanted and Joshua broke off their engagement. Yeah, which is that sad. Sucks. And I I guess it was pretty happy after that. But like I said, it was really going after John Bell as well. So the spirit made it very well known that it hated John. It thought he was a terrible person and it wanted to kill him. It would like say these things vocally out loud, which... We don't really have, like, clear records on what kind of person John was. Um, because keep in mind, a lot of this stuff did come from the family. So you wouldn't want to be saying, like, yeah, this guy sucked. You know, he was part of the family. But, I mean, he did have some incidents of, I think, like, some criminal activity somewhere. But, I mean, he was kind of well known as, like, a fairly good guy. So it's not really known why the spirit hated him so much. But because he was so targeted by this spirit, his health had started to decline. So he had like a swelling in his throat and he felt as though a stick was being inserted sideways into his throat, like something Mm. was Mm -hmm. sticking into him. And he would also go through bouts of twitching, like especially in the face. And while it was happening, the spirit would curse and threaten him and be like taunting him while he was going through these spells. And so by 1820, John had grown weaker and his illness had essentially confined him to the house. And while he was in the house, I mean, he was pretty much bedridden and the entity would just slap him in the face. It would remove his shoes and it would just call his name throughout the house and be like cursing him. 
And then later that year, he ended up dying. Oof. Yeah, which, you know, if you are sick, that's not like a very surprising thing, especially back then to die. But his death was a little suspicious. Really? Yeah. So after he died, his family had found a vial of liquid in the cupboard and none of them knew what it was or where it had come from. So as a test, they gave some of the liquid to the family cat. And this makes me so sad. It died immediately. Oh. Yeah. So it just seemed like they had this random thing of poison, poison. In there and they didn't know what it was or where it had come from. And so then right after that, the family claimed that the spirit said, I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, which fixed him. So this is crazy because, I mean, if that's true, that's a ghost literally killing someone. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I the mean. The thing, I'm thinking if it's a physical bottle of something, how could the ghost do that? Or the demon? So the ghost was known to be able to, like, conjure things. That is a powerful yeah. entity. So, like, at certain points, the ghost really liked the wife for whatever reason. The wife, Lucy. So sometimes it would, like, conjure, like, grapes or, like, nuts or something, mm-hmm. like, give it to her and be like, oh, there you go, Lucy. Yeah. So it was known to conjure things before. I mean, if any of this was true. But, I mean, none of this you can really, like, prove. These are all stories. But you can prove that he did die at this time. Yeah. So whether it was from the spirit poisoning him or, you know, his health Whatever is happening, he did die at that time. It does seem like a little weird if the family would lie about his death. And then even kill their cat to say like, yeah, I don't exactly. know. It just does seem like a little weird to lie about. And then also like the family didn't really benefit from making this stuff up. Right. Because, I mean, you would think they did have people coming to visit. Like just like, oh, maybe they were making money off that. But they actually, they weren't charging anyone anything. And when the people would come and visit, they would, like, feed them and, like, let them stay in the house. So they were actually putting out expenses. That poor family, not only, like, people went to the house to be entertained almost to see what was happening and could leave at any moment, but they had to stay there living. Yeah, exactly. And I guess they didn't even want to tell people at first. Right. I don't know. To me, honestly, I would feel better having told people, though, because then at least it's like you can, um, like, I don't know. It's not, like, just something that you're going through alone. Right. In a way. But so after um, John died, they obviously had a funeral for him. And at the funeral, the entity was said to have been laughing loudly and it was singing drinking songs. Oh, no. It's just, like, so disrespectful. so disrespectful. It really hated that man for whatever reason. And so after he died, activity actually stopped for the most part. Um i saw somewhere that it claimed that seven years later it would it was going to be gone and seven years later it was going to come back and haunt the family again and they claimed that seven years later it was there again and then that was pretty much it but some of the descendants of the bell family who are alive today they claim that they have continued to be targeted by spirited activity and so basically it was pretty common like for the descendants of the family that anytime like weird things would happen or strange occurrences, mm-hmm. they would say like, oh, it's just the bell witch. You know, it's like an easy thing for them to say. And then today the bell property is a tourist attraction. So you can actually go and visit it. And it's in Tennessee. So I'm kind of really? interested in going to Tennessee. Yeah, because that's close to us. And like I said at the beginning of the story, this ended up inspiring a lot of horror movies. And I'm sure you can tell like a lot of the tropes 
it kind of fits a lot mm-hmm. of our modern idea of a, a haunting, you know, um, these terrifying things happening. So it's inspired movies like The Blair Witch Project and An American Haunting. So my sources for the story were bellwitchcave.com, bellwitch.org, apnews.com, The Astonishing Legends podcast, and Wikipedia. That was a good one. Thank you. You know, in all this time, I've kind of heard of the Bell Witch. I always thought that it was an actual witch. Yeah, I've never seen the movie, and I kind of thought something similar. Mm -hmm. I was surprised to hear that it was more like a Mm haunting-related thing. But, yeah, it's always interesting. I mean, who knows if any of it's true or not, but I guess my theory is there might have been, like, a speck of truth to it. Like, maybe there were, like, weird hauntings, like, knockings, things like that happening, and that maybe it just got exaggerated over time to Mm -hmm. be, like... More of a story. talking to us. Yeah, yeah. that seemed like a lot of talking. I haven't heard any, really many other like hauntings where the spirit is talking. Yeah, like other things like the knocking and Mm -hmm. things like that. I feel like that's um, much more common with hauntings you hear about now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, some of this stuff, it just seemed like it was maybe probably blown a little bit out of proportion um, is my theory, but still an interesting story. I wanted to talk about the, uh, you said the scratching in the bedroom. That freaks me out because I remember I told you the story of um, in my old bedroom with my brother is now. I would always hear scratching in the corner. Oh my gosh, yes. And I would always hear like a plastic bag, like one of those like Walmart plastic bags, um, like that noise, even though I didn't have any sort of material that would make that noise in that area. Oh I don't gosh, know. That is so scary. I know. I always kind of wrote it off like it would freak me out because it would only be at night when I was like, I don't know, on my phone, ready mm-hmm. for bed. And I would just kind of refuse to look in that corner. But there was never... I was going to say, that's an interesting point that you would say, like, it was only at night. I feel like that's when we're the most vulnerable and possibly the most scared. And that might be... I mean, if spirits are real, that might be a time that they would want to target us. Yeah. So it's like... I don't know. I would always just put my headphones on, but I go, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, nothing ever happened. Um, Just whatever. I'm just going to tune out this ghost. Yeah. She's like, okay, well... And then also, I've never heard anything, but my mom and my brother have heard a woman singing. And there have been, like, times where my brother's like, oh, where's mom? Like, I thought she was just here. And it's like, no, she's still at work. Well, I just heard someone singing in that area. Oh, my gosh. It's always, like, a woman singing. Are you sure you're not related to the Bells? I really hope not. I want to be as far away from that. Oh, I hope. Mm -mm. (laughs) So. Man. And we're in your house right now. Okay, (laughs) stop. Yes. Um, very creepy nothing has happened recently but i guess we have had our fair share of like something that could be seen as possibly paranormal but i always try to look at um logical things behind it so i don't know but there are times where it's kind of hard to find logic but (laughs) oh for sure um okay well honestly that was so i'm talking about the poltergeist curse and it's kind of similar at least the I don't know if it could have inspired the poltergeist. I haven't necessarily seen the movie, but after doing my research, it sounded like a lot of it. It was a family in a house where um, they started to see things like furniture moving around and things possibly breaking. So poltergeist is a scary movie that came out in 1982 with two more movies later coming out in 86 and in 88. So this trilogy is about a family living in California where they began to experience strange things, like I said, furniture moving, and I think there was like a glass breaking at some point. It, although this was strange, it, they didn't put that much emphasis on it. Maybe it would go away. 
And this is all the movie, right? Like this is this is just I'm just kind of giving an overview it's not like of the a movie. Real case. No. Okay. And then, like you said, the ghost started getting more aggressive until it abducts the daughter, and then the family tries to bring her back into the real world. Oh wow! So that's what the kind of the movie is about. But what I'm covering is the case of the making of this movie. And the curses, or well. Yeah, the curses that came with the making of this movie. Um, because there were a lot of strange things that happened on and off of set to people that were associated with the making of this movie. And the first thing is I kind of wanted to list were a couple of deaths that happened throughout the making. So the first death was Dominique Dunn. She was 22 and she played the eldest daughter Dana during the first movie and she ended up dying shortly after the release of the first movie she was strangled by an ex-boyfriend um, and this ex-boyfriend was convicted for manslaughter and ended up serving six years the next death is Heather O'Rourke who played the youngest daughter in the three movies so the little girl yes the, so you'll see her in like the cover of the I think I believe it's the first movie she's like in front of the television yeah, and it's like static? Yes. Okay, I've definitely seen that. So she became very ill about four months before the release of the movie, of the last movie, and was taken to the hospital. And at the age of 12, she would die from cardiac arrest, from cardiac arrest and septic shock from an undiagnosed Crohn's disease. That's terrible. She was so young. She was young. The next death was Will Sampson, who died because of a heart and lung trans plant sorry i can't read today it's okay the next death was will sampson who died because of a heart and lung transplant complication and there is also lou perryman who was blue who was brutally murdered by an ex-convict so it's just kind of strange that there were so many deaths surrounding at least actors or people involved in the making of this movie and later on also Richard Lawson survived an airplane crash in 1992 where 27 out of 51 passengers had lost their lives. Oh my gosh. So many people think that these deaths, the series of deaths, is because of a curse that is involved with the making of this movie. And many think that it began because they used real skeletons in a couple of scenes. So during the scene where Diane falls into a pool at night, we see skeletons rising from the muddy water. And it turns out that it was cheaper to use real human skeletons than creating fake ones. So the actress and the crew didn't know that these were real skeletons since they just assumed they were props and made out of plastic and maybe even rubber. But right. according yeah, but according to the assistant prop master, the skeletons were purchased from Carolina Biological, which is a medical and science supply company which sold uh, human skeletons for the use of medical, for the use, like, medical purposes for schools mm -hmm. in the 80s. And they That's purchased 13. No, it's not. But maybe there weren't that restrictions even. I guess no one really assumed that anyone else would purchase them. I really don't know. Maybe it's just a I thing of the 80s. Yeah, I mean, if you think that your body's being donated for medical purposes, it's like you think that you're helping people. Right. Like that your body can, you know, give some sort of answers about health or science or mm -hmm. anything but then just to be used on a movie it just seems kind of disrespectful extremely disrespectful so an exorcism was performed on set during the filming of the second movie and one of the person who played the shaman in the movie was an was an 
actual shaman and was concerned that they did use real skeletons for the last movie. He performed an exorcism alone at night, so no one was there to see what actually happened during this time. But the next morning, a lot of crew members did feel kind of a sense of relief. So this was kind of seen as a good sign. Mm -hmm. And the shaman was actually the person that died one year later from the heart and lung complications. Oh, man. Yeah. Some other things that were strange that also happened include that a robotic clown almost strangled the child actor on set. What? He was the child, the middle child, Robbie, which which in the movie he was the one being tormented by a clown. And this clown had animatronic arms, which actually strangled him, and the producer was able to see this and help him out. So it, it's just terrifying to think what if the producer hadn't seen what, that this was happening. Um, the young boy would have probably died. Oh my gosh, and what a terrible way to die. Right. So another strange thing to happen to actress Jo Beth Williams during the production is that she would find pictures on her wall in her apartment that they were always crooked anytime she left to shoot the movie. So even though she would strain them out, they were crooked by the time she came back. And she believes it's because she slammed her door that it caused the pictures to go crooked. But I mean, you're not really sure. I feel like sometimes she's saying that you always try to find logic, you know? I mean, the fact that, I don't know where she said this thing about the pictures being tricky, but the fact that that was, like, even in her head is being weird. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, that kind of says a lot. I mean, I, I definitely do think it's weird. So, I obviously always try to look at logic. But also, of course, yeah. anytime you slam the door, like, every single time, she must have been slamming <laughs> that pretty hard. Well, when something weird happens to me, I immediately jump to ghost. Really? But then I'm like, okay, logic. <laughs> I mean, I think I have the same reaction, but I'm like, no, logic, let me yeah, calm down. Yeah, it's like ghosts, but then it's like, no, 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 logic. Let's have logic about this. <laughs> yeah. And the author, uh, James Kahn, also experienced some strange things in his house. Is he the author of the book? That yes. Based on? Okay. Mm -hmm. So he was finishing up a project related to the movie, and at this time, lightning struck his building, and the front part of his AC unit flew through the across the room and hit him in the back oh my god <laughs> i know and in his own home yes and then the lights turned back on and apparently his video games started playing themselves which i'm not sure if that means the tv and the console turned on or if it, the video game actually started going on i don't know yeah that's weird either way it's yeah kind of a strange that he it was while he was working on something related to the movie too mm-hmm and in my opinion, one of the strangest things to happen during the make of during the remake of the Poltergeist in 2015 is that the house that they were using to shoot in had a very strange field where they found that their equipment repeatedly failed. So for example, there were some lights that would work everywhere in the neighborhood, but at any time that they came onto this area, they would just stop working. And even drones that they used were very finicky since the GPS signal didn't read the area. So they would always have to set it up at least 10 feet away in order to um, make it work accurately. That's super weird. And this is 2015. So yeah. that's like modern technology. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was I was thinking it was weird. Like you said in in the story you covered that it wasn't the ghost wasn't just restricted to the house, but even like the surrounding area yeah the whole property uh, yeah 
And um, the director also said that he had strange encounters during the shooting of the movie, and he claims that there was a female spirit dressed in black haunting that house that he was renting at the time. Um, and that after he went back home to Los Angeles, he received a call from the previous owner who had moved back into this house that told him that he was terrified by things that were going on in the house and wanted to call to see if he had had any similar experiences while he was there. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. This was the 2015? Yes. Okay. Um, so I think the director was just glad that he noticed that he didn't bring anything back home with him. But I mean, isn't that just strange that not only him was it he was experienced it, i'm sorry not only him but the person who he was renting the house yeah from. but then so i guess that means that there wasn't any stuff in the house before he was there that's what it seems like but because of whatever was happening with the shoot that he brought that probably there to the brought house, it and then i guess it stayed there mm-hmm. interesting that is really weird um so that's what's known as the poltergeist curse it's just so many of these weird things happenings and so many hauntings that were affecting people even outside of the the house and the field the strange field that was going on yeah that's very weird am i remembering right that there was a serial killer who was in that movie i believe so yeah but i didn't write that down no that's okay but i think it was like um at some point there's a man playing a radiologist or something yeah no yeah and you're then right it turned out that he was actually a serial killer yeah that's true I didn't, why did I not see that? You'd think I would come up, stumble on it, because I, I did know that is true. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you who it was, though. Yeah, so it sounds like there was just a lot of really bad energy around that whole movie series, yeah. I guess. And, like, um, again, what the your story, it's like it could have began with somebody buried or the bones being scattered. That mm-hmm. That's where the haunting may have began. And in this story, or in this case, there were actual human skeletons being used in a disrespectful manner. Yeah, and I know that's kind of a cliche is, you know, the whole, oh, maybe it's on old Native American burial ground. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that a lot. But I think there probably is something to it of, you know, disturbing what is supposed to be people's final resting place. But not only that, but in a lot of cases, disrespecting the graves, mm-hmm. disrespecting their bodies. Um, I think that's just a really bad situation. And if anything could create bad energy bad spirits i feel like it would be something like that yeah um so my sources for this were grunge on youtube filmdaily.co and snopes.com that was interesting we both had haunting cases yeah we guess, haven't covered one yet on our podcast well yeah i guess it w- mine's like more of the curse because i but it includes a haunting mm-hmm. that is very interesting well, it's fun to cover. I'm excited for the rest of our spooky October I'm episodes. Exci- I love October. Me too. It's probably my favorite month. And it's really fun getting to cover this kind of stuff, you know, focusing it in on more of the creepy stuff. Well, thanks for joining us this week. If you would like to see pictures from this episode, follow us on Instagram at Crime Nor Reason. Don't forget to join us next Wednesday for another spooky episode as we continue to celebrate Halloween together in October. Bye. Bye.